Thank God for the cross of Calvary. That's what I'm going to preach about this morning. We're going to talk about lifting the cross of Christ today. I want to read a few passages of Scripture to you. I have a really three different text verses that I want to look at today. The first one is in John chapter 3. If you want to turn to John chapter 3, and then one in John chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Numbers chapter 21. And so if you want to try to follow along, kind of give you a head start there. But John chapter 3 and verse 14 is the first verse that we want to look at this morning. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus Christ. It's always interesting when He refers to something in the Old Testament. I always enjoy studying the Old... I love the Old Testament. I always enjoy when Jesus refers to it because in the Old Testament, there was many pictures of Jesus Christ. You cannot read the Old Testament and not see Jesus all over the place. I mean, He is all over the Old Testament. Many people, they talk about you know the difference between us and the Jews is the Jews believe the Old Testament, but we believe the Old and New Testament. But the truth is, they don't even really believe the Old Testament because Jesus said, if you believe Moses and the prophets, you would believe Me because they spoke of Me. And so really, they don't even believe the Old Testament. Otherwise, they would believe in Jesus Christ because it is so clear that He was the Messiah. And it's and then and so he said that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So we're going to go back to that passage where Moses lifted up the serpent in just a moment. But then in John chapter twelve, verse thirty-two, Jesus makes a statement, and he he said, "And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me." The wording there is kind of confusing, but basically what Jesus is saying there, he is saying, "And I." will draw all men unto Me. That part there in parentheses, if I be lifted up from the earth. And Jesus was lifted up from the earth. He was lifted up on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ, He hung there and died. And it's and He draws men to Him. When you got saved, alright, it wasn't because you went on this spiritual quest to find God. It wasn't because you were searching, even though there may have been some searching, but the reason that it was there at all is because the Holy Spirit was drawing you. Jesus Christ was looking for you. And you responded to that and He brought you maybe to the right church. He brought you to somebody that preached the Gospel to you and showed you who that was that was drawing Him to you. But it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that draws men to Him. And as Christians, we need to make sure that we are lifting up Christ the best we can. And not that way he, uh, people will be drawn to Him. But back to verse 14 in chapter 3, he says, "...as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness." What was he talking about? We'll go to Numbers chapter 21, verse 4-9 through 9 we're going to read. Numbers chapter 21. In case you're not familiar with the story and what was going on, Israel are wandering in the wilderness. And Israel, they like to complain a lot when they were wandering in the wilderness. They'd get hungry and they'd complain. Things would happen. They would complain. They were always murmuring. And it would, boy, it would just upset God so much. God would just, He would get so angry with them. And it says in verse 4, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It wasn't easy traveling through that wilderness. But you know what? God kept providing for them. But they still complained. 
In verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Talking about the manna that God miraculously was feeding them with. And it says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that uh, every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You've all seen the picture of the serpent on the pole before. The medical field used to use that quite a bit. I don't think they do it much anymore, probably because it's too religious. Uh, it might offend people. But uh, you, you've seen, you've all seen that. You know what it is. These folk, these people. They sinned a great sin. We see here in the story that they realized that they sinned. And they wanted to be forgiven. Hey, we're dying because of these serpents. We don't want to die. Okay, That's pretty understandable not wanting to die. And these people, they went and they said, you know, pray, pray for us. Do something for us. And Moses, he went and he took that serpent on a pole. He made it out of brass and he held it up. And when the people, all they had to do was look at it. And when they would look at it, they would be healed. They would not die from that snake bite. And as Christians, we're supposed to be lifting up the cross. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, we need to point the world to the cross because that is the only cure for their sin. That's the only thing that can fix their problem. And I tell you, people, uh, I thank God that sometimes people, they, they do, they get to that point where they're, they are, they're sorry for their sins. They know they've done wrong. They know they deserve that eternal punishment. They know they deserve to go to hell. But they don't want to. And listen, hey, I understand not wanting to go to hell. Listen, I, I deserve it. We all deserve it. But that doesn't mean we have to want it. And I don't want it. And thank God we don't have to have it. And if we will look to Christ and believe on Christ, we can be saved. Just like in this story we see here in the Old Testament. And as Christians, there's many reasons we need to be lifting the cross. We're trying to show the world something. Okay, The reason that we have these crosses that you see commonly on churches is because we're trying to use that to point out some things. When Moses held that serpent, on a pole. He was trying to, and telling the people to look at it. He wanted them to see a few things. And it's the same things that we need to see when we look at the cross and that the world needs to see. And the first thing we need to see when we look at the cross is we need to see our sin. Notice verse 8 of Numbers chapter 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. So he did. He made that serpent of brass. Why? Why make the serpent? Why did it have to be the serpent that they looked at? Well, Hebrew, you don't have to follow. I got a lot of passages I'm wanting to look at. But Hebrews chapter seven verse twenty six says, "For such an high priest 
became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's who Jesus was. Holy, harmless. Absolutely nothing in Him that was wrong. Absolutely nothing in Him that was corrupt. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. When we see, when we read the Bible and we read the story of Jesus Christ on that cross, what we need to see is our sin. That is a picture of our sin. That cross, it's a reminder to us that someone innocent and holy had to die for our sin. When Jesus was on that cross, when you read the story, I mean, they they beat him, they buffeted him, they I mean, they what they did to him was absolutely horrible beyond what we see on most of the pictures of Jesus on the cross, and that is a picture of our sin. That's how bad it is. That's how disgusting that it is. And the serpent in the Old Testament, the serpent often it's a, a picture of sin. A it was a serpent that deceived Eve into committing that very first sin. It was a serpent that got her to do that. That serpent was a result of what they had done. It was a, it, those, God sent the serpents as punishment for what they had done. That was the payment. Being bitten by these fiery serpents and dying. That cross that we see, that, that cross is a picture of the penalty for our sins. And one of the things that Moses was doing then, he wanted these people, when they looked at that, they were seeing several things. One, they were seeing the penalty for their sin. You see this serpent. This was the payment for your sin. And they all knew, they all well knew what that meant. They had suffered from these things. They had loved ones that had died. Some of them had been bitten themselves and were dying. And that cross, when we see that, it's a reminder of our sin. Our sin is a big deal. I hate when people try to make light of sin. People are always wanting to make excuses for sin. Listen, I know that this church is full of people that are sinners. I know that all of you, there's things that you've done in the past, things you're not proud of, things that, mistakes that you've made, things that you wish you could go back and erase. But you need to understand that those, a lot of people, because they have those things, it's like they don't ever want to, they, they try, instead of saying they're sin, and that they're in the past, that they've been forgiven, they're under the blood of Christ, they try to make excuses for them. They try to justify those sins so they can continue living in those sins. So they have an excuse to keep on doing those things. Listen, our sin, it's a big deal. It cost Jesus His life. He suffered and died on the cross for our sin. And we're not going to make light of it. I'm not going to quit preaching against certain sins just because... It's something that maybe you like to do. Or it's something that you've done in the past. And it makes you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying... We're supposed to preach the Gospel. And there's plenty in here that's going to make us feel bad because we're sinners. But we're not going to make light of it. We're not going to act like that it's nothing. We're not going to be like, oh, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners, who really cares? No, we're not. It's it's a big deal. And that cross ought to constantly remind us that, hey, Jesus paid a terrible price for this sin. He saved my soul. I need to try to do better. I need to try to be more like Him. Someday, that salvation is going to be complete. We're going to be like Christ. And the Bible says that everyone that hath this hope in himself, they purify themselves. I want to be like Christ, not so I can stay saved. Okay, You can't lose your salvation. 
Not so God will love me more. God loves us even while we're yet sinners. I'm trying to purify myself because I have the hope that someday I'm going to be like Him. I understand what He did for me on the cross. And that cross, it's a reminder, that serpent was a reminder of the penalty of their sins. Too many times when it comes to churches, we lift up the people in the church. Many times we try lifting up the pastor who is not perfect. We lift up the members who are not perfect. What we need to do as a church, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, is we've got to be doing a better job lifting up Christ. Getting them to look at Christ. If they look at us, it's not going to take... It's not a good example. You know, many times when people get saved, they've got to backslide to become like most church members. I'm telling you, we're just a bad example most of the time. And we need to get them looking at Christ and get their eyes off people. It's amazing how many times people say, well, I'd go to church, but I just can't stand being around all the hypocrites in there. Alright? That, that's, that's a very poor excuse. I'm not going to let a hypocrite stop me from doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay? But, at the same time, obviously that person, they're not seeing Christ in that church. If you really are seeing Christ, if Christ is being lifted up, you're not going to care about the hypocrites. Okay? They're not going to matter. You're not there for them. You're there because it's where God wants you to be. You're there because you want to serve God. You're there because you want to please God. And the, who is around you is not going to make the difference. It's not going to determine what you do. And I, I tell you, it breaks my heart when I hear people say things like that because I know they obviously don't know Christ very well. If they knew Him, they would be there either way because that's the one that we're supposed to be serving. You would think that this would be easy, but it's hard because of the simple fact people are lost. They have a hard time seeing this. Because I was thinking about that just this week. I was talking to an individual that is clearly lost and is just you know involved in... A lot of stupid things that lost people are involved in, you know. And I, you know, and said at work, you hear people talking about things, and it's amazing just how little people know about life, and how little they know about the Word of God. And I'll hear people just having conversations and just kind of talking about their plans and really what they're trying to do for happiness. And sometimes I just I want to just get up and start preaching. I'm like, hey. Listen, buddy, I don't know you at all, but I do care about you because I don't want to see you suffer. And that's exactly what's going to happen if you continue down this path. Man, that is not the way to go. You need, I mean, you need to turn to Christ. And you know, the thing is, if you started doing that too many places, you know, you're going to probably freak some people out. You're probably going to scare them a little bit. The workplace might not be the best place, you know, while you're working and stuff. But I'm hearing this. I'm hearing these things, and I'm thinking. How foolish. But the truth is, I got to think about that term lost. They're lost. They're, they're just trying, they're trying to find a way to happiness and they don't know where they're going. We've all been there before. You've been lost. I've been lost many times out on the road, did not know where I was going. And I'd go some really stupid ways and then sometimes you'll, you'll talk to people like, yeah, I'm trying to get to this place. And they're like, what are you doing over here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm going. Well, man, you are so far off. And sometimes I almost want to make fun of you a little bit. 
And you know, that's kind of how we need to make sure we're not like that with lost people. The reason that they're making the choices that they're making, they're trying to find happiness just like you and I. Sometimes they're even trying to get to heaven. But boy, they are lost. They have no idea where they're at. They have no idea where they're going. And we need to be kind and show them the way. And it's tough because there's a lot of false prophets out there showing people the wrong way. I was lost one time years ago, and I'm, you know, just I did not know where I was going. I, I rolled my window down. This I noticed this guy had his window down. We're sitting at a stoplight. I'm like, hey, do you know how to get to such and such street? And he just kind of got this funny look on his face, and he's just like, oh yeah. He's like, he said, just go down this next light and turn right, and just just keep going. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And so I went. I did that, and we're going and going and going. I'm like, I don't think this is the right way. And I went and I stopped at a gas station and asked for directions. And that guy told me complete opposite of what I was supposed to do. And I think he thought he was being funny. And he probably got a good laugh out of it. I didn't think it was very funny. But you know what? Unfortunately, when you're lost, you, it's tough to tell the truth, isn't it? It's tough to, hey, who's, who's telling me the truth? You just kind of go off of whatever you hear. And sadly, there's a lot of false prophets out there that are telling people the wrong way. They're telling you you get to heaven by works. They're telling you you can get to heaven through the church. They're telling you, you know, just like make sure your good works outweigh your bad. And people are trying these things and it's not working. There's churches and false prophets out there that are telling people, hey, that, you know, that you can be a Christian, you know, God will forgive all your sins, just but you don't have to change anything in your life. You can just you can keep basically living wicked, doing whatever, and you can still be happy as long as you have Jesus in you. Listen, sin's always going to bring you unhappiness. Sin's always going to bring you misery. But when you're lost, what do you have to go on? We do we trust perfect strangers all the time, don't we? When we're lost. Because we don't know where to go. And boy, we we need to have compassion. On these on these lost people that are out there, Second Corinthians four three says, "But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, and hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and not of us. Our Gospel, it's hid to those that are lost. We need to lift up Christ so they can see the truth of where they're at. And they can get out of this mess. And I tell you, it's, 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 uh, it's just something that's really been on my heart lately. Um, so I'm, you know, you're around so many lost people out in the workplace. And you know one of the things that is sad to me that I'm noticing more and more is that there is not a whole lot of difference anymore between lost people who know they're lost and will admit it, and people who claim to be Christians. There's, there's just not much difference anymore. And it blows my mind because I'm thinking these people that are saying they're saved are such a poor example that a lot of times lost people, they will, whenever they start feeling like maybe I should do something, maybe I should prepare for my eternal soul, they, start, they will follow these people that are doing nothing like the Bible commands. They're not following the Word of God at all. And nothing ever changes in these people's lives. They keep living miserable lives. Even in churches today, I mean, the 
wickedness that goes on in the world sometimes is going on in the house of God. And that that wickedness that goes on, it's because people are lost. Well, I don't, we don't we don't have a church full of lost people that stay lost. We're supposed to be lifting up Christ so people will see the truth. And if we lift up Christ, people are going to see their sin and they're going to see that it's a big deal. They're not going to be comfortable sinning. They're not going to be comfortable to, I mean, talking filthy. I just talked to an individual this week, trustee in the church, just using vile language. And he didn't know I was a pastor or anything. I'm thinking, whoa, I think your church needs to have a little talk with you. <laughs> this is not, you're not making your church look good right now. And you're not making Christ look good right now with that kind of filthy language coming from somebody that's supposed to be a leader in a church. And it's just, it's horrible. But Christ is not being lifted up. So sin does not matter. People are going to be comfortable continuing their sin because Christ is not being lifted up. Christ is not being preached in the church. That's why people, they can have the rock music. They can have the wickedness that's going on in the church house today because Christ is not being lifted up. And therefore, their sin is not being exposed. The light is not being shown on their sin and it's not bothering them one bit. But that cross, it's a reminder of our sin. And we need we need to be reminded of our sin because it's a big deal. It's a reminder of the penalty of our sin. The Lord sent fiery serpents because of what they had done. There is a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We deserve to spend eternity in hell. That's, that's the penalty. The penalty is either eternity in hell or the penalty that Jesus paid on the cross. Someone who is innocent. Somebody who has never sinned. Someone who is holy dying on a cross. You and I, we can't do that. We've already blown the holiness part. Jesus Christ is the only one that's done that. And it's either accept what He did for us or eternity in hell. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, the Bible says, "...and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." That's the penalty for sin. We try to make excuses. We try to make sin not seem so bad. I've heard people say before, they'll be, they'll be trying to talk bad about a church. Or they'll be trying to talk bad about a pastor and what they will say. You know, I, I won't go to that church. Every time I go there, that preacher makes me feel bad. I was like, well, <laughs> he's probably just preaching the gospel. Hey, that's a compliment. You know what? I don't want to go to a church that only makes me feel good. Sometimes we need to feel bad about we need, and we should always feel bad about our sin, and that and the penalty of sin ought to make us feel bad. That's why people don't like hearing preaching about hell. That's talking about the penalty of sin. We don't want to be reminded of that. It's going to be really hard for you to feel good about continuing on in your sin when you're hearing about Jesus Christ dying for your sin. You're gonna you're gonna feel bad. You're not going to want to keep doing those things. It's called conviction, which is a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing. I had a lady that visited the church here and preached a message on conviction, and she said that was the first time that she had been convicted in a message in a long time. And and she goes to church regularly. I thought, man, I want to keep coming. (laughs) But uh, a lot of people don't. They don't like conviction. But we need it. 
That penalty of sin that Jesus paid. We don't want to forget about that. Listen, Jesus isn't trying, and He's not trying to hold it over our heads to make us feel bad all the time. It's supposed to be a motivator to us to go out and reach other people and to show them, hey, somebody paid the penalty for your sin. And also, it's supposed to be a motivator and a reminder to us that we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to be conquered by sin. All the misery that's going on in the world today is because of sin. Most of it because of our own sin. Sometimes we suffer because of other people's sins. But most of it's because of our own sin. And Jesus Christ does not want us being miserable. And so He wants to remind us, hey, I paid for that sin. I conquered sin for you on the cross. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to keep doing those sins over and over again. You can do right. And we're reminded of that when we see the cross. The children of Israel were reminded when they saw that serpent on the pole. Hey, that's the thing that bit us. That's the thing that's caused us the pain that we are suffering right now that is going to kill us unless we look at that serpent on the pole. Another thing that we see when we look at the cross is the only Savior. Jude 1.25 says, To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. The only wise God. John 14.6 Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. As Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We believe, we believe there's only one way. We are not saying that we are superior to the Muslims because we're the only way. We're superior to the Hindus because we're the only way. As far as people go, we're equal. We're all sinners. And Jesus Christ, though, He will save the Muslims. He will save the Hindus if they will look to Him. If they will look to the cross. He's the only way. Everybody wants to make it a racial thing or a national thing. It's not. Jesus Christ, it's a global thing. And thank God there are Christians that are all over this world in all different countries. There are Of all different languages, there are people that believe in Jesus Christ and that have called on Him for salvation. This is not an American thing. It is. This is a global thing. It is not, it's not a racial thing. No matter how they try to push it, you are not a racist when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You are not saying that you are superior in any way because Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. But we are saying our God is superior to all other gods. He said, he said Himself, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. He said, God said that. He is the only way to heaven. And when the children of Israel, when they looked at that serpent on the pole, that was all they had. That was their only chance. That was the only thing that would save them. They had to look at that serpent on the pole. They had to get a look at their sin. They had to get a reminder of the penalty of their sin. And they had to have the faith to look at that. I mean, looking at a serpent on a pole, how is that going to fix you? I'll tell you how it's going to fix you by the power of God's Word. If God says, if God said to them, and God did say to them, looking at this serpent will heal you, that's all it takes. It's the power of God's Word. How can just calling on Jesus Christ save you? By the power of God's Word. God's Word says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The same Word of God that said, let there be light, and there was light. The same God that spoke this universe into existence by the power of His Word said in His Word, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What is the name of the Lord? His name is Jesus Christ. The one mediator between God and man. 
The only, the only mediator. He, Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He's the only way out of this sin condition. He's the only way that we can get to heaven. He's the only, he is, that's it. And that's all they had too. And they were, they, they looked at that serpent on the pole and they were healed. They lived. It was, it was gone. But notice how they understood that they had done wrong. You know, if it would have been most people these days, and who knows, there may have been some like this, they'd have just been stubborn. I don't think we did anything wrong. I'm sick of this man. That's all we've been eating for years now. We have a right to complain. We have our rights. Alright, we always hear people yelling about their rights these days. It's like, good. Night. It just makes you want to throw up. I can see about, we have our rights, okay? Well, you also have the right to die in your sin. And that's what's going to happen. If you don't look at this serpent on the pole, you are going to die. I don't care. I deserve, I deserve to complain. I have the right to complain. We as a people, we voted against manna, and God should have submitted to us. No. They didn't have that right. And here was the alternative. Look at this. And, so I don't know if any of them died there, stubbornly not looking. But you know what? Many people are going to die and go to hell. Because that's too simple. Just calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ, He can't be the only Savior. What about all these people in other countries that never heard? He can't be the only way. Well, you can keep telling yourself that. So he, he can't tell me that He's the only God. I have my rights. My rights are guaranteed to me by the Constitution of the United States of America. And just remember too, our rights... Our Constitution said they were from God. Okay, He's the one that makes the rules. We are endowed by our Creator. Okay, our rights don't come from the government; they come from God. He's the one that He's the one that made this universe. He's the one that's made the rules. And it's Jesus Christ or nothing. He is the only Savior. We're not going to go and get a big coexist sign to replace that cross up there that has all the different little religious symbols and things to make everybody feel good and, and to be in harmony because those other things will do absolutely nothing for you. I mean, they, they put the cross in that coexist bumper sticker that just aggravates me every time I see it and I wish they'd take the cross out of it because the cross has no place with that other garbage that's on there. It has no place with it at all, what they should have on that bumper sticker for it to be right and make sense is a cross. That's where we'll find unity. When Jesus Christ was born, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They said, Peace on the earth, goodwill toward men. We have peace with man through Jesus Christ. He's that one thing we have in common where we can be unified. Man, all we do is fight with each other. I don't care what bumper stickers we all have. I don't care what little groups we all have. We're always going to fight with each other. The only thing that can bring unity to the world is Jesus Christ. He's, he's it. He's the only way. The other stuff, it's all foolish. It's all, it's all garbage. It's ridiculous. I saw a show one time and they had a church on there. And on this church, it had this stained glass windows with symbols from all different faiths. And I'm just like... That's that's not a church. In Washington D.C., uh, they have I think it's called the All Faiths Chapel or something. And in this uh, in presidents, if they ever do any type of 
you know, usually a lot of times the funerals and things are in there, and it's this place that has all these emblems from every religion, just trying to include everybody. And you know, I'm sorry, but that's not the way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. We cannot believe the lie that we all believe in the same God and some people have different ways of getting to Him or some people call Him different names. There is no other name. The Bible says no other name. Jesus Christ is the only name. But also what we need to see when we see that cross is our substitute. That that, that should be us. That should have been me on that cross. That should be me. That I should go to hell. That's what I deserve. But the work, it was completed when Jesus Christ died on that cross. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." The riches of His grace. You know, there are some things that... you know I'm not a rich person as far as money goes. I couldn't do anything too extraordinary to impress everybody here. I'm not, I'm not Oprah Winfrey. I can't say, you know what? We got a surprise for everybody today. All of you were given all of you. I'm giving all of you new cars. Okay? I can't do that. I, I do not have the resources for that. I am not rich enough. Okay? That would be a lot of fun if I could do that. If I gave everybody that came to church today a car, I bet we'd have a full house next week. But uh, I, I don't have those resources. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says that He gives us forgiveness through the riches of His grace. You know why it says the riches of His grace? Because it took a lot to be able to forgive us. It took a great, great deal. We didn't deserve it. It was unmerited favor. It was not it was not some small thing that Jesus did for us. It was a great thing. It was it was a gigantic thing that he did for us in forgiving our sins. And he was able to do that because of the riches of his grace. He is rich enough to be able to do that. He does have the resources to forgive us of that, but it was still a great thing that you and I cannot imagine. We we cannot do anything to that extreme like Jesus Christ did. But he did it through the riches of his grace. Our works, they're Absolute, there, listen, I'm all for good works. We should do good works. God blesses good works. But when it comes to obtaining salvation, our works are absolutely nothing. They are pointless. Titus 3.5 Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We've got to remind people of this. That it's not of works. That It's by the riches of His grace it's through His blood that He shed. Our works are nothing. It would be like if you had a million dollar debt problem and I came to you and I said, you know what, I'm going to help you out. And I gave you a penny. You're, just, you're going to look at that penny. It's like, this doesn't even come close. This does nothing. And that's where we were. I mean, we, there was, our works do not come, they don't even come close to saving us. And we ought to do them out of our love for God and appreciation, but not to obtain salvation. Jesus Christ did all of that. He was our substitute. And He was also... Not only was He our substitute. People, they look at 
our belief sometimes is, you know, wrong and dictatorish because we say that it's Jesus Christ or nothing. And, you know, how dare a God say, you know, if you don't accept me, I'm going to throw you into hell. Well, understand too, Jesus Christ, He's not just that to us, even though He is King of kings and Lord of lords, even though He is all powerful. But Matthew 20, verse 27 says, uh, For whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ was a servant to us. Jesus Christ does good to us. He blesses us. I mean, He works for us. It, it, I mean, he doesn't have to do any of that. But He does out of His love for us. There is no other God even made up anything like that. Any like our God that we serve, Jesus Christ. And we've got to lift Him up to people. We've got to get people looking at Him. And it's tough these days. It's tough because most of the time people, they look at the one who's lifting up the cross. And sadly, there are so many people out there who are saying that they are lifting up the cross, who are saying that they're Christians, but their lives don't even come close to resembling it. And it's causing constant confusion. And where we're going to stand out is when we let our light shine. How do we let our shine? Light shine by letting them see our good works. That's what the good works are for. So others can see that there's a difference. They, they need to see similarities between us and Christ. We need to be more like Him. We need to start talking more like Him, acting more like Him. We need to start setting a good example. Not so we can lift ourselves up. That, but that is one of the ways that we lift up Christ. By being the example. So, and, when, if, and if people notice you, hey, just point them to Christ. Hey, there's something different about you. Hey, it's not me. But Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I'm, try, I'm trying to live my life for Him. Because I'm a sinner just like you. I'm a sinner just like anybody else. But then you can tell them what Jesus Christ did for you. And point them to Christ. Lift up the cross. Let's all stand together.